Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, internal support, roles and requirements, part one. Here we go. The relationship between internal support providers and their customers has got to be one of the most frustrating things in the corporate world. Well, of course world. you would say that. You were an internal support provider. Yeah. I was a customer. I didn't find it terribly difficult well, I at all. I, I want X. I have $12. Will you build, please build me an international satellite network that allows me instant communication and you have a week. And, and $5. Yeah, $5. Yeah, $5. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The customer just wants a thing. Yeah. You know, that works, that yeah. does, well, you know, it does whatever. Before we get into the cast, though, I know there are people listening right now who would say, yeah, the customer doesn't know what they're asking. And they get frustrated by that, and they want the customer to know. And the whole point of organizations is to allow the specialization of labor. Your marketing customers, your sales customers, your operations customers, your logistics customers, your distribution customers are not supposed to know what you know, folks, if you're an internal support provider. By the same token, you guys in sales and marketing, when the technical people don't know the ins and outs of working with customers, they're not supposed to know it. They're not supposed to understand it. It's frustrating to say, I, I want them to know and they should know this. If you ever say to yourself, they should know this, bad idea, folks. There's an inherent separation of labor between internal support providers and the, and the people they're supporting. It's necessary and it makes for frustration. And that's part of what this cast is about, right? That's right. Yeah. Think about it this way. The internal support provider, whether it's IT or finance or HR or even the cafeteria, hypothetically, right? They need to know, in a hotel, it would be banquets, right? What does the customer want? They, they need to know X and Y and Z before they can solve that internal customer's problem. But as you said, the customer just wants a thing that they don't really understand, right? right. right? And, and, you know, well, they, just, well, they understand it. Like, they understand what they want. Uh, they they want just the don't output of the thing. The output, well, which is, which is what matters, right? Right, the, right, right. How, they get, right. how you get there, that's the internal support provider's role. They right. know the outcome, right? Right. The problem is, is from the support provider's perspective, they don't know it at the level of the detail and specificity that the internal support provider needs in order to deliver exactly. it, right? So that's exactly. The, and which is where requirements planning come in. And folks, I promise you, if you're in IT and you're used to requirements planning, trust me, this cast is going to be one of the most important casts you ever hear in 20 years of listening to manager tools. We promise. Yeah. 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 So there are ways of making this relationship go more, go more smoothly, right? If you're a support provider, you're in IT, you're in engineering, whatever, you know you want the relationship to go more smoothly. Generally speaking, 99% of the people who come to us in an internal support provider role say, yeah, it's totally messed yeah. up. It's a, it's a nut role. It's impossible. Very few people else. come to us and say, yeah. hey, my relationship with my, my yeah. customer oh, we're is great. Yeah, we're going. We're good, right? And, and, and let's be blunt. This cast, folks, is not about sales and marketing and operations and, and, and distribution and logistics and, and the, the people whom you provide. It's not about them changing what they do. Okay. It is about you changing what you do. We're going to suggest if you're an internal support provider, you're going to have to change your perspective in order to get things to work more effectively. And we know that's hard to hear. We, t we, we, we accept the fact that what we're saying is hard to hear, but it makes no sense to complain about the, the, the problem as it exists right now and then not change our behaviors and wonder why the problem doesn't go right. away. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And by the way, 
I have to say this since we since this actually happened. I promised that we would dedicate this cast to the Atlanta conference attendees in January of 2012, who found it very hard to hear, but were uniformly positive and thanked us for being very direct and very candid about. Let's explicate the, the the internal tensions that happen when you're a support provider. And, and particularly, we're going to harp a little bit more on IT um, because that's a huge one that touches all parts of the organization, rightfully so. IT needs a bigger place at the table, and unfortunately, they don't get as often as they'd like. We just really feel like this is an important topic. And too many technology internal support providers, and, and specifically technology hurt themselves and their careers because they don't understand the dynamics of the problem and they're not willing to make some small changes that get big results. Yeah, so they loved it. We hope yeah. you're going to feel the same way when you're done with this. So yeah, they so, hated it and then they loved it. I yeah. mean, they were they were they pushed back and and, and we've done it several times since then and they at people It's at, hard it, it is hard to hear. Anytime you ask somebody to change their paradigms and get in a different framework yep. about thinking about a relationship with people yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. It requires you to change. So nobody, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't don't like change, and, and some of these changes are are significant changes in perspective. Yeah. But they like it because they say, "Yeah, I, I can see if I change my perspective, I'm going to be more effective." Yeah, I'm going to get better customers. results. And the, the, you're saying you're being nice. You're saying we're going to change our paradigm. We're actually going to suggest you demote yourself. Right. That's the yeah. problem. That's the paradigm yeah. change. I was going really to let, me, was gonna let you. Yeah, say you're going to let me say that part. Right. Yeah. Hard. So we have four recommendations. The first one is. If you're an internal support provider, your first th- thought for most people is, we have a way for you to interact with us. And, and I'm going to describe that as a requirements document. And our first rule is never respond with a requirements document f- to an internal request. Don't do it. And we'll explain why in a little bit. Okay. Number two, what we recommend you do instead is help the customer Okay. Don't partner with the customer. Let's not use that. You're not partnering. You're serving the customer by helping them create parameters and define their needs in a very interactive way without slamming them with an 80-page deck that says these are the requirements you've got to give us. Okay. Number three, our point here is you've got to make it a conversation. You've got to make it fast. Knowing that you won't learn everything, but getting enough to start some work on it before you do the next phase. And then number four, we recommend you don't ever let the set in stone, formal, clear, precise, detailed internal support processes take over to the point where the people that you're supporting go, this is just bureaucratically nightmarish. If you do that, if you just act like you're going to be nice on the front end, and then you throw it into this hopper of we're going to go through this entire process and you have to follow the process, I promise you, you're going to have a bad reputation, you're going to have bad relationships, and they're going to figure out how to go outside the organization when they can to get things done, which anytime they start thinking about going outside the organization, that affects your your reputation, your stock internally in the company. There you go. Okay, so let's 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 like hit people in the head right away with the idea of don't respond with yeah. requirements documents. Okay, but now look, let, let's be clear about something. I used to be in sales and marketing. Of course, I was the one that was asking, we need X, we need Y, we need Z. You were on the as an executive receiving manager, end of that on the receiving end, and and of course this all started years ago when you you and manager drill started when I consulted to you because it's a problem. Yeah, this is exact very problem that you guys were supporting marketing with the core piece of software that literally ran MCI, you were in charge of the entire, we called it OSIS. The customer account system. The customer account system, incredibly important. And you did a bunch of great things, and the customer still didn't like it. And you were like, 
Well, Mark, why don't they like me? Because I said, because you treat them like crap. <laughs> and they're Not like, me. They like well, no, me. No, yeah, they like, they like me. Yeah, they don't like your organization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Look, the first response of most internal support providers, folks, and I got to tell you, if you're wondering whether or not this is true of you, trust me, it's true of you. Okay. When they're asked, hey, listen, I need X or I need Y, or can you do something like this for me? What happens is they say, I'll send you a form, Right you need to put your request in the form that we can use in order to to determine whether or not how, where we're going to put this particular your particular request we're going to we have to put it in a list and order and how important it is and how big the budget is and so on so you need to fill out the form or what people say hey listen send me a list listen send me a list of your requirements and now folks if you don't know this if you're an internal support provider particularly if you're technical the people who are asking for your support they don't know what you mean by requirements Okay. In fact, when you say requirements, you should assume it's a bad word. The moment you say requirements, I need a list of requirements, or I need a requirements document or something like that. Immediately, the people who request your support are thinking, oh my gosh, they think that they get to dictate how this thing is going to go based on the technology that they use. Now, look, it absolutely is a partnership, even though, trust me, folks, you're not a partner. That's a mistake. Don't be thinking that. But it is a collaboration. Let's use that. It's a collaboration. We clearly, in the sales market, we can't do what it is we need you to do. On the other hand, you wouldn't have a job if we didn't sell and market the stuff that our company made, right? So when you say, hey, I I need a list of requirements, we immediately go, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. We're suddenly going to have to become technical experts, and they're going to start saying no. They're going to literally right, right. start saying no. This is a pushback, right? Yeah. It's a defense mechanism, right? Exactly. If I, In fact, if I burden you with the creating requirements document, I don't have to do anything until it, you're it, done. It, it, literally, there is a defense mechanism, which is like, if I show that I know there are IT people who are listening right now who have, have smirked at, at some point in this cast already because they know they threw a requirements document up against some, some manager who wasn't high enough to just trump the requirements document, and they go, I'm not doing it. I'll figure something else out, right? They just literally looked at this requirements document, I'm not going to do it. Not, not gonna do. I, I don't want to go through this form that you ask. I, I don't have time. I actually have customers to serve or whatever. Yeah. In fact, Wendy sent me this this week. Bloomberg Business Week has an article about how to be a CIO. Oh, yeah. And it shows a graphic of what a CIO does. And it's a series of panels starting on Monday, going all the way through Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, and then again Monday. And it shows a picture of a of a, a, a guy on the phone, right? And on Monday, it says, no, we don't support that. On Tuesday, it says, no, we don't support that. On Wednesday, no, we don't support that. Thursday, no, we don't support that. Friday, no, we don't support that. Saturday and Sunday are blank. And Monday, it says, no, we don't support that. I thought Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> working yeah. on his resume. No, yeah, no, 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 no. That, and, and in fact, there's a case to be made. To, to your credit, those of you in internal support roles, to your credit, we understand why you're defensive because you have limited resources and you can't tell everybody yes all the time. But we're going to come to that, okay? But the first thing you do is if you send out a list, right, or a form, and it has a clear list of all the things you need and a definition of the process from here, and it's, it's absolutely designed to make it easier for you to do what you need to do to provide them the document, their eyes, people who right. you're serving, their eyes are going to roll into the back. And you're not of your head. suggesting that at some point requirements don't have to be defined. Not at say, all. You're just saying that the first response no. ought to be throwing this thing in people's face. Yeah, it's wrong. But, but, and it's a collaboration and, and it hurts the relationship. Yeah. But there's something else though requirements. IT people are sitting here thinking, yeah, this is requirements. We, we have to have them. Guys, we hear you. But let's start with the first thing stop 
calling them requirements because every other time in 2010 and 2008 and 2006 and 1999 and in 2001 and in 1985 and so on, the word requirements means I'm about to be put into the IT system for weaning out all the things that we mm. can't do. And there are only two things we can do. And by the way, it'll take two years and it'll cost you a billion dollars. No, no, look, of course that's false. That's an right. overrepresentation. It's a stupid, you know, it's an absurd reaction. Bombastic. Right? It's bombastic. It is. And by the same token, IT saying they want a billion dollars worth of stuff and their budget is 11 right. cents. It's the same, same thing. thing. It's bombast on both sides of the fence. I'm just telling you, stop saying requirements. Now, look, we're smart. We're not dumb. We didn't get to the point where we can ask internal support providers to give us stuff because we're dumb. We know you have to work with us and you have to understand more of what it is. And sometimes you have to tell us, I'm sorry, we really can't give you a small thermonuclear weapon, right? right, we, right. Okay, we may ask for it and you have to go, no, really, that's not something, you know. Yeah. Well, I think you're, you're describing is it just a change, it's a change of paradigm in terms of believing, like many internal support providers believe that they have the warehouse of goods, they have the, all these, these capabilities, and users, customers, have to come begging for those services. And we're saying, and we're suggesting, is it change your mindset? If there's anybody who's got to focus on the relationship, it's not the responsibility of the customer to try to develop a relationship with you. Yeah. If you're the internal support Great provider, point. you have to be the one yep. focused on developing the relationship. And that, unfortunately, most internal support right. providers don't have that right. paradigm. And if you become the one internal support provider in your firm who decides you're responsible for the relationship, and let's assume you're as knowledgeable about the technology or about the whatever area you're providing support. And you become the one guy in your department or in your division or in IT or whatever you want to call it who, who decides, I'm going to take responsibility for the relationship. And no matter how often I say no, I'm going to still bust my tail to have a good relationship with these guys. Yep. You're going to be running the show in a couple of years. Yep. No question about no it. Question when, about when the CIO goes to the, the business, that's what they call it, the business. Isn't it funny that the IT department calls everybody else the business as if, Aren't you guys part of it? Really? Yeah, well, Seriously? Yeah, there's a, you would, there's you would actually there. say there's we went to the business? Are you not part of the company? Aren't we all a business? Uh, every time a technology person says that, oh, we're going to the business. I really wish you wouldn't say that, guys. It right. just makes you look so dumb. And we need you. It's all part of the specialization of labor that's necessary to deliver the kind of goods and services that we can do in the, in the modern world in the 21st century. Yeah, and if you decide I'm going to stay smart, I'm going to build relationships. You're going to win. When they go to the business and say, who are our guys that you like the most? And they're going to say, that guy over there. And it's the guy with the best relationships. Yeah, there you go. And, and look, something else too, guys. We're going to talk more about this in a little bit. This is going to be a long cast because Mike and I have a couple of war stories we want to share that are really trenchant and, and, uh, and, and frankly, dramatic in Mike's case. But one of the mistakes that, that internal support providers make is the belief that their job is to protect the resources. Okay. Now, that's not to say that is not important. It is. But it is so much less important than you realize mm -hmm. that when you throw that requirements document out there and the vocabulary you use is all about, uh, all about saying you can't, you can't do this. You, you have to say, you know, my job is to say no and put the filter way at the yeah. top. That's so the get, only thing that comes in. It's a fence. It's a fence. You get, the requirements yeah. document is almost like creating a fence. Like, a lot of folks don't mean it's weak. It certainly comes across this way. Is It's creating a fence, an obstacle between the customer and your services that is so high that just by fa the right. fact of having it, you're going to weed out 95% right. of the... Of, of right. the 
projects and, out there. And they think it's good. And they think it's good. And right. it's not. And the customers hate it. They hate it. Now, and they say, well, I'm protecting my resources. Yes, but yeah, protecting okay. your resources is not one of your top At what cost? At what cost? Do you remember the client that we talked to a couple of years ago who told us the CIO is putting in a PMO? There's too many things coming in. And so the CIO I went remember. to the CEO and actually said, now all the process, all the projects that come from the business have to go through my PMO. Can you just see the CEO in that meeting raising one eyebrow and going like, really? (laughs) It's fine. You can have them all until I decide it's really important. And then I'm going right around your PMO and I'm going to take the resources I need to get what I want. And the CIO is probably thinking, I built a system. You can't get in. And the CEO goes, (laughs) I'll trump you whenever I want to. It's It's just dumb. And look, don't fight a battle. You can't win. And if the business really wants something and you're putting up all kinds of roadblocks and a manager wants it and you think you outrank her and she goes to the VP and the VP comes over and says, I'm tired of this. You guys, the, the, we, you support us. This is within your budget. I want it done. And now you've lost and you've totally damaged the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the customer says, I get this requirements document. Wait a minute. I thought you guys work for us. And I'm requesting something to you and immediately say, no, 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 you got you to go jump through all this hoops. Immediately, relationship problem. And that relationship problem continues through that entire process. Exactly. It's just terrible. So the first rule, I mean, this is so important. You cannot start out with a fence of a requirements document. You can't. We're telling you, stop that now and, and have an approach of when there's a request from the business Okay. When there's a request from the business, your first thought is, I'm going to go collaborate with them in a subordinate role. I'm going to go collaborate with them in order to figure out what they need and try to figure out what I can do for them. That's yep. the approach to have. Yep. Okay. All right. So then the question becomes, right, how do they do that? Right? So how do we help the customer create parameters and define needs? Look, you're a professional. If you're in a support role, you're an expert. Okay. You want to be seen as an expert. Okay. So I'll be the bad guy. You want me to be the bad guy? I'll be the bad guy. We're going to be direct and I'm going to be candid. If you want to be seen as an expert, as a professional, start acting that way. Okay. And professionals and experts don't react with, it can't be done until you force me to do it Mm. because I have resources. Let let me take a minute here and uh, I'm probably going to, probably going to get some emails about this, but let me just tell you a a story. So so unusual. Yeah. Yeah. A professional is there to have their services used to help the customer get what the customer wants, okay? The professional is not there to force the customer through a series of hoops. Now, the professional should not. We don't recommend the professional engage in behaviors that would make them be perceived as unprofessional by other people in their in their expertise. We're not asking you to roll over and do whatever it is the business wants. We're simply asking you to have an approach which says, which which is not the approach the vast majority of internal support providers have today. We're recommending your approach is, I'm going to try to help you do this well. Right. Okay. Now, here, here's this is where it and you start. And by the way, and if you start that way, if you start the relationship that way, and you find out that the requirements are set to you don't have this, it can't right. be done, and you have a conversation. So, okay, then it can become a conversation of, well, what, what can I do? Yeah. And then they're thankful that at least you can do yeah. that. But if you start the other way, what happens way. is you get trumped, and you're going to be forced to do what they want because they don't like the fact that you could put your hand up right in the very beginning. Right. They're looking like, what? I mean, really? The 80-page decks? 80-page requirement deck. 
And they say, well, you know, once you answer these series of questions, I'll be able to get back to you. Then I can start, ah, gee, I, I'm confused. I thought you worked for me. And the IT person, no, I don't work for you. I work for the CIO. Yeah, well, the CIO, uh, the CIO is the least most powerful of the C-suite guys. And the chief marketing officer is definitely more powerful than him. And, and yeah. it ends up being a, who, it's, it's, it's a pissing contest. And right. And the, great, and the great CIOs understand that. Yeah. All right. So, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. We were at the conference, and we were we were doing the dele- the, the Zim koan, the, the the delegation koan, and the point was brought up that one of the ways that internal support providers respond to a new deliverable, a new ball being dropped on their head, was to say no. Right. And 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 if you're an IT folks, and this is this is about all internal support providers. If you're in HR, if you're in finance, if you're in logistics, and you support a, a business that sells products and services and so on. You could be in a support role. In IT, we see this a lot because IT has become, because companies are becoming more and more computerized and, and the, the use of data and, and the speed at which systems, electronic and computer systems, digital systems transformed our, our workplace in the last 30 years is really breathtaking. Here's what's happened. The IT people years ago, before IT was a strategic advantage, it was really just a place where we did basic computing. We could speed up some back office things. Because IT wasn't understood, because the computer stuff wasn't understood, and I came by this by I come by this knowledge the hard way. My dad worked on some of the original IBM 360s years ago in the 1960s. Gigantic mainframes. You'd walk into the room and you'd have to go up a step. And not only that, but the ceiling was lower. And it was all air conditioning. There was a whole floor that was nothing but computers, big tape machines and the whole thing, punch cards, batch processing, the whole thing. The good old days. Yeah, the good old days. Exactly right. And the whole point of it back then was this is a resource we can use to speed up some of the stuff we do in the back office to give us more data to help us make better decisions. Senior executives didn't know didn't understand it at all, couldn't do it. It was like literally like magic what computers could do, but they knew that they had to, they had to request resources and so on. The early managers and leaders in the IT world began to see that there were too many requests for their resources. They couldn't hire programmers fast enough. And back in the beginning, yes. there weren't enough programmers in the world I mean, there weren't. There just weren't programmers. I mean, in the 1940s and 50s, people weren't graduating yeah. from schools in droves yeah. with computing degrees. Yeah, you go to Juilliard to get a programmer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what happened was the management of one type of internal resource provider, IT, which wasn't even called IT back then, they would get defensive about it, more requests. And, and the way they developed it, these were all people that were mathematicians and had gotten into computing. And they began to discover that they could figure out numbers, hours of work that it took to do a certain right. thing. So many lines of code, right? So many lines of code. And, and a programmer could, a typical programmer could write this many lines of code. And a typical module, for instance, in, in Fortran or COBOL or something like that was this many lines. And so a module, this is before they even talked about modules, of course, would take 11 hours, 11 man hours. And the idea is in the beginning, and by the way, if you've never read the book, A Mythical Man Month, you ought to read it about IBM and, and, and putting more people on a project. The IT managers early in the day of IT began to believe that the solution to request was to do math, a mechanistic math problem, to solve the problem of we have this much work to do and we only have this many people. And 
they developed the belief that they could say no. In other words, we only have eight of us down here. We're doing this many jobs. You could do the math. I can only write so much code. You're asking me to write this much code. Literally, we have a a book to bill ratio that we, we literally can't support the kind of request. We have our own little factory here inside the company and you have too much demand and we have not enough supply. And we would love to do more, but we can't work 24 hours a day. We have to sleep, we have to eat. And by the way, it was good for them, but their response was to make it about math. Now, what most IT people don't realize is that's how your industry started and lots of managers and leaders and executives still have the basic belief that I know how many man hours I have and I know how many man hours it takes to do X, Y, and Z. There are books that are written, re- reference books that say, this is how many people it takes to do X and Y and Z. Those books are going away now, but there's still plenty of IT executive leadership and management that believes in this mechanistic, let's add up the number of people and the number of hours. And our estimate is that'll take 1,050 man hours and that takes this many guys. And my guys are already at 84% ut- utilization rate. And I literally don't have the people. And they would go back to the business and they would say, I'm sorry, we can't can't support that. And because the business, this is years ago, the business didn't understand it. The business say, oh, okay. Because they literally knew they couldn't do it themselves. And it was this magic that these technical guys did in the background. What a lot of people in the IT world don't understand is no one else does that. that When legal is told we have this to be done and we only have five lawyers, all the lawyers know, I'll just have to work harder. When finance is told, we got a new thing, we got a new subsidiary and you got to do taxes for them. It's not like we hire 20 more guys. It's no, figure out how to do what you used to do in 80% of your time, not 100%. Do that in 80% because now 20% is going to be spent on this new subsidiary. Well, it's, it's kind of like we were, talk, we were talking at lunch today about, um, about oil and technology and capitalism, the idea that, mm-hmm. that it's not a, a zero-sum game, that there's, exactly. there's, there's not really a, a great lack of resources, a lack of ingenuity. Uh, in the same way, that, that thinking there suggests, well, I have these requirements. It's this n- number of functions. It's static. Points, this number of line, lines of code. Right. It's static. And it doesn't incite people to yeah. get creative about ways of doing things, right? It literally, the moment you believe that that resource is static, management ceases to exist. It literally, you become, you become cogs in a machine. It, we were, you mentioned oil. The whole idea of, oh, we're, we, we don't have any more oil. Well, no, actually, the oil we found is based on what we research, what exploration we're willing to do when oil was at $40 a barrel. Right. When oil's at $100 a barrel, we can now use extraction techniques that cost twice as much. It costs $80 a barrel. And suddenly, we can find more oil. Same thing is true in management. When, when we're all working full time and then somebody says we have to do more, the manager's job is to say, how can we do what we used to do in a little bit less time there so we go. can add this new thing? It's right. fungible. Labor is, to a degree, fungible. Now, a lot of people are going to write us and say, you know, this is true. And this is one of those rare casts where you and I, again, are together. You're here in my house in in Fredericksburg. And this is one of those cats. You know somebody's going to write and say, well, it's not that fungible and we're all really, really busy. Look, folks, we're not going to argue with you. Your folks are busy. Everybody's busy. And let me tell you something else. People have been busy in their jobs since the beginning of time. Busyness is not a defense against more work. What happens is you're busy and then you get more work and you discover that work, hopefully, is more valuable than the work you're doing and you figure out how to do the work you're doing in less time or potentially delegate that work if you're a manager to free up time for the thing that is now more valuable. I don't know if I ever shared this story with you before, okay. but many, many, I must have been 20 years ago, I was doing work and I was doing work on Wall Street, Wall Street for, for the company I worked mm-hmm. for, wasn't MCI, for a company that I was working for, building risk management 
models, credit risk management and right. um, uh, foreign exchange risk management, right. right? And I was working with this company. And I was representative of the company. We had a, we had an outside firm developing the software. And you were doing foreign exchange because the product that your company made was it was the trade by Flexway. I was, I was yeah. supporting a, tra- a, tra- a trading desk. Yeah, they were, yeah, literally, right? yeah. They foreign were trading raw materials, right? Because yeah. we had you know yeah. billions of dollars exposed it's, to foreign yeah. exchange risk. Yeah. And so we hired this firm to build this very very custom, very very complex uh, foreign exchange risk uh, system. So I'm the representative of the company with this this third party. I'm on Wall Street. I'm literally working on Wall Street every day building this software. And there there are a few other people involved, but Lloyd Zussman. Lloyd, probably not listen to this, but Lloyd is a very smart guy. And we sat down to start coding this stuff, right? And he had he had a piece of it, and I had a piece of it. Right. And then two weeks into it, I had one of the modules developed. He had nothing. Right. Three weeks into it, I had another module developed. He had nothing. Four weeks into it, I had another module. I had three or four modules by that point developed. He had nothing. The next week, I had five done. The next week, he had 25 done. What? He had 25 done. You know what he did? He thought about it and said, okay, there is not enough time for me to do all this. We were, it was a very, very tight project. Right. And he thought differently, creatively, about how he could go about his work differently. And so what he did, he built, essentially, a code generation engine. He feed in the parameters, and then and, and it took him a while to do it. And then when he hit the button, he put it on the front end. He put all the work on the front end, do, thinking strategically about do, the work. He could do twenty five a week from that point forward. And I was stuck doing one a week. Yeah, that's all I could do because he thought differently. Yeah, he didn't have this mindset he, that he, said it's, right. it's mechanistic. Right, I, exactly. He said I have to be creative. There is this work. I'm pretty sure I can't get it done with the mechanistic model that anybody else would apply. That no offense to you, but you were applying. Yeah. And he said I got to figure out a way to be systemic about it. Yeah. Exactly. What, I tell you, that was my God. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm an idiot. There's yeah. a better way to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened, folks, is if you're in IT, you guys are left with a legacy of we need to be defensive because we need to protect the mechanistic man month of we just don't have the resources. And there's nothing wrong with the start of that. In the beginning, that was a good way to think because there was too much demand and not enough supply for the, for the genius that you guys provide. Even though the supply has greatly increased, there are still people who believe their job is to protect the limited supply because, of course, everybody in IT, just like everybody in finance and HR and everywhere else, is always busy. The problem is, because of that, IT learned to say no. They would just say, no, we can't do it. There's not enough man months, right? And no one else does that. HR doesn't do it. Finance doesn't do it. Legal doesn't do it. Operations doesn't do it. Engineering doesn't do it. When, when the co- company gets a new product or service, sales doesn't say, no, 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 all of our guys are busy. Actually, what sales says is, great, we're going to have a party because we're going to make more money because we're going to sell more. We're going to get more right. bonuses, more commissions, right? And stunning to me the sense that somehow some organizations believe that they get to say no. And the organization that says no most often is IT. And guys... We're not casting aspersions on you here. We're not. We know where that happened, where it came from, and we want you to stop because there are people in senior levels that get frustrated so fast. If you're not that way, if you're an internal support provider, your HR or your finance, and you always say, you've always said, I'm going to try to figure out how to make this work, kudos to you. And I don't want to make this just about IT, but the fact is the internal support mindset is worst in our experience overall, not everywhere, but overall is yeah. worst in IT in part because of that historical me- mechanistic approach to things. Yeah. So if you take that out of the system and you say, our job is not to say no, 
Our job is to say yes and then figure out what actually we can do with that yes. Then what IT people say, well, I would support providers say to me all the time, okay, Mark, how do I do that? If I don't lead with my, with my requirements document saying here's 80 pages, fill them out, which but, but just people know, not going to do it. And, and let me just mention one more thing. I know that we're going way long here, but, but this is an involved, intricate sort of podcast. When you give that 80-page deck and people walk away and, and the marketing people are like, no, forget it. I, I looked at that thing. I can't figure that thing out. They wanted me to fill out this whole thing. I'll figure out some other way. There are some of you who think you won. Mm. I just got to tell mm. you, folks, yeah. you didn't win. You just took a notch out of the relationship. You just nicked the relationship a little bit. And you certainly achieved one of your goals of protecting your resources. But again, that yeah. that goal of protecting your resources ought to be at the bottom of your list, not at the top of your list. The top of your list ought to be serve the customer. Figure out yeah. how to serve the yeah. customer. Produce, uh, what is it, uh, results and relationships. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, not, not resources, but results and yeah. relationships. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. <laughs>